If you have your copy of scripture, if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 1. Today is the national day of sanctity of life. And we want to spend just a little bit of our, well, all of our service talking about how life is precious and that God is pro-life. Now, I want you to know that this is not a political speech. I'm not going to beat you over the head. Uh, Really what this is, is just seeing God's nature and God's character and what he has to say about things. And so I know that there are different groups that I'm speaking to today. And so I want to address that real quick. I know that many of you are going to agree with everything that I say today. And that's great. But I'm going to ask you to open your heart and open your ears and open your mind to listen to what God has to say. And I know that there are people who are going to disagree with everything that I say. And that's okay too. We're glad you're here. We want you to be here. We want you to be a part of our church family. But I hope too that you'll open your heart and open your mind and open your ears and at least listen to something that may be different than what you believe. And I know that there are a group of people here who have been desperately impacted by what we're talking about. And I want you to know that if, there, if abortion has impacted your life, I'm glad you're here. We want you to be here. We want you to hear that God loves you, that God has a plan for you, that God can forgive and heal and restore. That's what this is about. This isn't about condemn, condemnation. This isn't about humiliating. It isn't about uh, doing a diatribe. We really just want to, what we do every Sunday, listen to God's word and try to align ourselves as closely with what God says. Now I'm going to read a passage of scripture that's very familiar to you. But again, um, I want you to, to listen to it with new ears. Think about it with a new mind and, and be ready for it to move in your heart in a new way. And so I want you to hear the words of God as we're talking about the value, the dignity, and the worth of human life. You're going to hear me say this in a minute, but I want to go ahead and say it now. What we're talking about today is not a political issue. It's not. It's not a moral issue. It's not a scientific issue. What it is is an issue of whether human beings have dignity and worth and value. And if we do, where does it come from? Does it come from us? Does it come from where we're born? Does it come from what gender we are or what race we are or what country we're in? And here's the answer to all those questions. No, our value, our dignity, our worth comes from the fact that we are made in the image of God. God gives us the value of who we are. So I want you to hear God's words as we start in Genesis chapter one and we're gonna look uh, with verses 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over the creeping things that creep on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be for your food. Every beast of the earth and every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every plant for food and it was so. And God saw all that he made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and morning the sixth day. 
I went back to this passage. There's a lot of passages I could have gone to in scripture that talk about the dignity, value, and worth of human life. But I decided to go back to where it all began. Because it's important for us to understand that our dignity, our value, and our worth began a lot longer than us being on this earth. It began the moment that God spoke. And I want to start with that today. If you noticed in that passage, it said several times, God said, God said, God said, God said, right? And when we're dealing with understanding the value of human life and why God is pro-life, we need to go to what God has said. And so the first thing that we need to hear today is that God has said. Now, I just said it a minute ago. We're, we're not talking about politics. We're not talking about morals. We're not talking about scientific arguments. We're talking about the fact that God has spoken. And what I want you to see, and this is the difficulty in our generation and, and every generation, is that people want to say, I don't want to hear what your God has to say. I don't believe in your God. I don't think he's the one true living God. And so why does what your God have to say any important at all? Why is that important in the discussion at all? Well, here's the thing. Without God, there is no standard to hold ourselves to. See, the reality that people want to come into is we want to get rid of any overarching objective standard. We don't want to say there is such a thing called right and something called wrong. What happens is we want to remove any objective standard in our life and then it can just be everybody's opinion. But here's a problem with that. When it's everybody's opinion, it's chaos. When it's everybody's opinion, we can't look at somebody else and say, what you're doing is wrong. Well, no, it's because it's what I want to do. See, here's the thing that people don't understand. When we remove God and the fact that God has spoken and that God has said, now there's no such thing as right and wrong. And we can't look at somebody like a Nazi and say, what you did is wrong. Well, it's what I wanted to do. It benefited me and my people. It made our country safer. Now what do you do? See, the reality is we always must come back to the fact that God has clearly spoken on this issue. And if we try to remove God out of the equation and say, well, you know, I don't care what God has to say. Well, then what you're saying is you don't care about such thing as right and wrong. Where do those terms come from? If there is no standard, if there is no person, there is no being that says this is right and this is wrong and this is what is right for you to do and this is what's wrong for you to do, it's everybody's opinion. We can't use those terms anymore. So God has spoken. And without God, there is no standard to hold ourselves to. And here's the funny thing. Every time, and we have friends that uh, don't believe the same way we do, that don't think the same way we do, but they appeal to these things called right and wrong. And here's the problem. When you appeal to that standard, you're appealing to something outside of yourself that you can't prove without God. And God has very clearly spoken on this issue. If you wonder where God stands on life, let me tell you, he's for it. In fact, he calls himself the life giver. And what does he say? He gives us eternal life. He takes us from death and brings us into life. In him was life and that life was the light of men. I mean, it's all over scripture. But we can get more specific God prohibits the taking of life. In Genesis chapter 9, uh, verses 5 through 6, in Exodus 20, verses, verse 13, and in Matthew 5, 21 through 23, that's just a small portion of Scripture. 
In fact, in that portion of scripture in Matthew, it's Jesus talking because many people will say, well, listen, this whole idea about life and protecting life, that's an Old Testament concept. Jesus never talked about it. Well, listen what he says in Matthew chapter five. He talks about the taking of life. And in fact, he talks about the taking of children's lives, that God hates children being harmed. God hates it. He prohibits in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the way they were harming children was both through abortion and child sacrifice, and God outlaws that completely. Jesus comes along in, in, in Luke and in Matthew, and here's what he says. Listen, if you harm a child, it would be better for you if a millstone was hung around your neck and you were drowned in the ocean. So it's difficult when we say God doesn't really have an opinion on life. Jesus doesn't have an opinion on life. Jesus has a very powerful opinion on life. And here's his opinion. If you harm a child, you deserve the worst punishment possible. And so what we need to understand as we move forward in this today, there's no ambiguity about what God has said. It's not confused, it's not muddled, it's clear. One, do not take life ever. Why does God tell us not to do that? Because we're not him. We're not him. And when we take life, we always do it wrong. And it always hurts and it's vengeful and it's all those kind of things. And so he says, you're not me. You're not the creator of life. You're not the giver of life. You do not own these things. And so you can't take life ever. Well, what about kids? We can hurt kids, right? It's okay. Very clearly God says, no, it is wrong to harm children. So God says, now, I could stop there and say, let's go home, argument closed, God has said it, but I know that's not enough. We need to move on. I want you to see something else in the passage. It says that God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the seas and the, bird, the birds of the sky and the seas, the fishes in the sea and the cattle. And then verse 27, it says, God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Not only has God spoken clearly on how he feels, but God has also demonstrated how he feels about life. Well, how's he done that? Well, God has demonstrated how he feels about life because God created life. God spoke life into existence, into this universe, and then he did something even more special. He creates a special, unique being in the universe called mankind, men and women. God has created mankind. It's very powerful. We need to understand why God is pro-life because God is the creator and the giver and the sustainer of life. In fact, God has created each and every one of you. One of the beautiful things that we understand is that when God creates life and God creates mankind, here's the thing we need to understand. God creates every life. As you heard Clayton sing, there is no accidents. I want you to listen to the amazing and wonderful, powerful thing. If you are here today, it's because God wanted you here. If you are here alive on this planet, you didn't get here because your mom and dad decided to get together. You are here because God chose to give you life. See, that's the thing. We talk about Unplanned pregnancies, we use the term accident, which I think is horrible. But here's the reality. How many people are desperately wanting to have a child and they can't? The reason that you are here, the reason that any human is walking in the face of the earth is because God gave 
you life. God gave you life. And life only happens when God chooses for it to happen. It's a very powerful thing. God creates every life so there's no accidents. And God creates male and female. God creates this category of beings called human beings. And in that category of human beings, there's male and female. And one of the things that really bothers me when we talk about abortion is we've come to this place where there's this idea that, you know, when someone gets pregnant, we have no idea what they're going to have. They have a fetus. And we have no idea what this could possibly be. Now, I want you to understand that fetus is actually a term of development and not a term for something other than a human. You have a zygote, you have a fetus, you have an infant, you have a toddler, you have a child, you have a youth, you have a young adult. It's just a term of development. The reality is, is that everybody knows and understands that God creates humans and God creates every life. So when we ask somebody, hey, I hear you're pregnant, what are you having? Well, we're really hoping this time we have a T-Rex. I got a boy, I got a girl. We're really hoping right now for a T-Rex. That's what we're looking for. Does anybody say that? But there's this idea that we can say, well, until, until it appears on earth, we have no idea what this thing could be. You have people even saying they're tapeworms, they're parasites. It's just a clump of cells. No, here's the reality. God creates every life. And because God creates every life, God creates something called human life or human beings and they're male and female. And so when we say, what are you having? We say, well, I hope I'm having a boy. I hope I'm having a girl. God has said and God has shown. God has shown he's pro-life because he creates every life and he creates a certain kind of life. And then there's something that he also does that's very special. Every part of creation except for humanity, God spoke it into existence. And it was time for God to create humanity. God gets his hands dirty, literally. Do you know that you are the only thing in creation that God actually touched to make? In Genesis, we find out that God reached down into the dust of the earth and he created Adam. And out of Adam, he formed Eve. Both times he touched them, both times he formed them, both times he breathed on them and gave them life. One of the beautiful passages that we could have gone to today is Psalm 139. Psalm 139 tells us that not only does God create every life, not only does he create specific human life, but listen to how involved he is. God knit you together in your mother's womb. God knit you together in your mother's womb. God was the person that formed you. God was the one who created you. God's the one who put all of the special little unique things about you together. He's the one that did it. You are here because he wants you to be here. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. One of the beautiful and wonderful things about understanding that God knits us together and God creates our life and God makes us human is this. None of us, not even those who disagree with us, can disagree that God's fingerprints are all over us. We are so unique. We are so different. 
We are so amazing. We are so different than every other creation in the universe because no other creation bears the fingerprints of God the way that we do. And we're gonna talk about that more in in a minute when we talk about being created in the image of God. But here's the thing you need to understand. Not only are you not an accident, you are a wonderful, amazing creation of God that he formed himself. You wanna ask where dignity and value and worth and purpose come from? It comes from that. That God, that God chose to form you with his very fingers. That God chose to knit you together in your mother's womb and everything about you radiates his glory. It shows how special and wonderful that we are to God. But it also says something even more powerful than that. If someone created your body, whose body is it? We say things like, well, it's my body. It's my choice. I want you to understand that because God has created you, God has formed you, God's fingerprints are all over you. Your body is not your own. It's his. You cannot make choices for your body without disregarding what God has said about how to use your body. Now we do it all the time. That's what sin is called. But here's the reality. The body that you have and the place that you have in this world has been given to you by God. It's his, not yours. And so the reality is, because God has spoken and because God has created, because he's intimately involved and he's doing all these kind of things, we have to understand that we cannot make those choices for ourselves. And here's an even more powerful thing than that. People sometimes say, well, why are you pro-life? Well, one, because God said it. And two, God has shown it. But really, this is the reason. One of the reasons I'm pro-life is in Psalm 139, it says that before we were born, that God had numbered our days. And he'd written them down in, our, in his book. And he has all these thoughts and he's thinking about us and he has all these plans for us. And this is it. One of the reasons I'm pro-life is because I believe that every human being that is going to be born, that God has a plan for their life. Again, no accident. God has a plan. And listen, I, I, I want to say this with all the care that I can. I want you to think for just a moment. I want you to think for just a moment of what we're missing out on when we allow babies who God has decided to be born, that God is knitting together in their mother's womb, that God is giving life to. When we get rid of them, what are we missing out on? See, this, the kids just don't show up and kind of go, well, we'll just have to figure this out. I don't really know why I'm here. I don't really know what I'm doing. We'll just have to figure it out. Listen, there's a purpose for them to be here. God has given that child special gifts and special abilities and special talents that the world needs. Otherwise, the child wouldn't have been born. God wouldn't have done this, but God has given that to them. And here's the thing, what are we missing out on by destroying generations of children? What blessings are we missing out on? Maybe we're missing out on having another Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Maybe we're missing out on another Abraham Lincoln. Maybe we're missing out on another Billy Graham. Maybe we're missing out on so many different things, but we don't think about that, do we? We think about our plan. We think about how this affects our plan and what we wanted to do. And we didn't realize, oh, guess what? God has a plan for you too. 
One of the reasons, one of the many reasons I'm pro-life is because I believe, I believe that every child has dignity, value, worth, and purpose because they're made in the image of God. And I believe that every child has a plan. God has a plan for every child. So God has spoken and God has created. Now, God has not just created, he's done something very special because God created all sorts of things. He's created stars and planets and universes and plants and trees and all these kind of different things. But he's done something for human beings that he's done for nobody else. And here's what that is. God created us in his image. Now, we're not God. We're like him. We reflect his nature and his character. We reflect really amazing and wonderful things. And we'll get to that in just a second. But I want you to hear it again. It says, God says in verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. There's a theological term that we have for that. It's called the imago dei. And that's just Latin for in the image of God. An even better way to say it is that you are an image bearer. One of the reasons that we have dignity and value and worth and purpose and meaning in this world is that every one of you and even the people who don't agree with us, all of us are made in the image of God of God, all of us. That's why deep down on the inside, we we understand we shouldn't kill image bearers and we shouldn't treat image bearers bad. We shouldn't, you know, separate based on race and sex and gender and all those kind of things that, that we understand that there's something intrinsically different about human beings. And let me tell you what it is. We bear the image of God. We bear the image of God. People always ask the question, what does it mean to be human? Well, let me tell you what it means to be human. It means to be made in the image of God, to be distinct from all other creation. It separates us from all other beings in the universe. We have been given this wonderful thing called the image of God and and a soul. We are distinct. Now listen, all these other species, and I'm not saying that because we're different that they shouldn't be taken care of. What I'm saying is, is that unlike any other species, we have ingrained in us Dignity, worth, value, purpose, and meaning because we are made in the image of the creator. We have a soul. We have the capacity to reason, to think. We have feelings and emotions. We have the ability to share those feelings and emotions. We have the ability to be good and to be bad. We have all of these things inside of us and all of that reflects the nature and character of God and it makes us different from everything else. The image of God. If you ever need to wonder if God is pro-life, just look in the mirror. Sometimes it's hard for us to see the image of God in us and it's not hard for him to see. But here's the reality. If God wasn't for life, why are we here? Why are you here? Why are you made in the image of God? Why do we have the talents and the abilities and the feelings and the thoughts and the emotions? How, why do we get to do art? Why do we get to make music? Why do we get to do all these creative and wonderful things? Because we reflect the one who made us. Why is it when we see people do the most noble things, we, our, our souls rise within us and say, yes, because we're reflecting God. God spoke it, God showed it, and God made us in his image. Now at the end of what he says here in Genesis, in Genesis 30, he says, actually verse 31, God saw that all that he had made and behold, it was very good. I know it's difficult when we live in a culture that doesn't support life and in fact looks for every way to take life, we have to remember that even though people disagree and even though people are passionate in how they disagree, that this is still good. 
that this is still good and it's a message that we need to consistently take to the world because here's what the world desperately needs to hear, maybe what you need to hear today. God loves you, God wants you, and God has a plan for your life. In a culture of death, it kills more than just children. In a culture of death, it kills hope and joy and peace and comfort. It kills any kind of um, um, meaning and purpose in life. If all we are, if all we are is unplanned accidents in this world, and there is no ultimate person to whom we should worship and follow, and there's no ultimate plan for our life, do you see that's the ultimate death? That we live in this world and have a meaningless existence. Also, we get to go to work for 50, 60, 70 years to just die. Oh, we get to have families and struggle through all the pain of having families to just die. Oh, we get to amass all this wealth and fortune and fame to just die. See, that's what the culture of death does. It robs life from you. And so here's the thing. We need to understand that what has God has said and what God has done, he calls it good because it is good. And we should never shy away from the fact and say, this is good. You may not agree, and I get that, and you're free to have that opinion, but this is what good really looks like. And this is the message that we need to share. God loves you. God wants you. I want you to let that sink in for just a second. God wants you. In a world that tells all of us that we're not wanted, that we're not needed, that there's nothing about us that's special or wonderful or unique and we're all just gonna die and gonna go to the dirt and that's it. God says, no, I love you. I want you and I have a plan for you. God saw that it was good. This was his plan and not ours. I wanna end with this because a lot of times what happens is we, we get pumped up about abortion and we get pumped up about you know, slogans and sayings, but we really kind of just never, never kind of take the next step into action. And so I want to take just a couple of minutes to give us a next step into action. Because God's plan is good, because this is the way that it should be, and this is what is life-giving to the world, we need to learn how to fight the right fight. And one of the things that we need to learn is that the people who so adamantly oppose us are not our enemies. They're not. I don't care how bad they say things and how bad that, you know, the things that they're wanting to do, here's the deal. They are still image bearers. They're still made in the image of God. They are not our enemies. They have been duped. They have been deceived. They have been blinded by the great enemy. We've forgotten who we're fighting. We're not fighting politicians. We are not fighting, you know, Planned Parenthood. We're not fighting any of those places. We are fighting someone who has been against life since the beginning. We are fighting our enemy, the devil. He has been, he's been against life since Genesis chapter three. And he does everything he can to destroy life. And so here's the problem. One of the things he loves to do is to get us to fight against people because he knows when we fight against people, we're not fighting against the problem. The problem is that our world doesn't understand who God is and that God loves them and that God wants them and that God has a plan for them. And so what we do, we fight for laws. And I'm not saying we shouldn't fight to change laws. But if that's the only thing you're doing, we're never gonna see abortion end. Because abortion's not a political issue. We could change the law tomorrow and people would still have abortions. 
It's not about humiliating people with morals and we say, you know, this is a moral thing. Here's the thing. If we got everybody to agree that it's an immoral thing, it wouldn't stop abortion. And we say, we just need to get more with science. We got to get science out there. They can say, here's the reality. There is no argument anymore. Science has proven that that's a human life and we still have abortion. We're fighting the wrong fight. The fight that we need to be fighting is to take the message of the gospel to every person. And when the Prince of Peace reigns in the heart of every person, guess what will happen? Abortion will be gone. We're fighting the wrong battle. Listen, we just prayed for the Pregnancy Resource Center this last week. We participated in that. And here's the thing, we should be praying for them all the time. But here's what we need to be praying for. We need to be praying that God's spirit who is more powerful than all things would flood this earth and open hearts and open minds to the reality of the dignity, worth, value, and meaning of human life. We need to be praying that the spirit of God would come against all the spiritual wickedness all over the world and in high places and bring it down. We will pray that the spirit of God would move on people's hearts and help them to see who God is and recognize who, what the gospel is and they can be transformed from the inside out. That's what we need to be praying for. Oh, and we need to be praying for the fact that God would ask us to go. It's funny. We pray and we ask God to send everybody else but us. We need to be praying that God would send us and here's how God needs to send us. We need to sacrifice and we need to serve. We need to pray that God would give us the courage and the grace and the boldness to give of our time. You want to end abortion? Here's one of the greatest ways to happen. We have the Pregnancy Resource Center here in Clovis and in Portales. They would be happy for you to show up anytime to help for you to give your time to go in and tell men and women who are struggling with this choice, there is hope. You are not alone. Let me, let, me, let me hear what your story is. Let me tell you who Jesus is. Let me tell you about the God that loves you, that wants you, that has a plan for your life. We need to give of our time. We need to give of our resources. In just a minute, Jess, the director of Pregnancy Resource Center is going to come by. She's our minute for ministry today. And I know she's going to tell you that, you know, if you give, what that happens with that. When you give, they can buy ultrasound machines that are now 4D, 5D, 10D. I don't know where they are now, but like you can see the kid dancing in the womb, like, woo, I'm here. And here's, the, here's what we know. When people see the reality that they're not having a T-Rex, they're having a boy or a girl, it changes things. Time to sacrifice and to serve. And we need to be people of grace. I've tried really hard today not to pick on the people that we disagree with. I've tried really hard today not to caricature their ideas and make fun of those kind of things. I've tried very hard to stay with the facts. And here's the thing. Here's one of the things that's very difficult. I am very passionately and decidedly pro-life. But I'm also pro-people. Because everybody's made in the image of God. And I don't want my passion for this subject to allow me to be a jerk and push somebody away from Jesus. We need to be people of grace. 
We need to be people that will step up in the community and say, listen, if you don't want to have an abortion, we'll take your baby. We'll take them and we will love them and we will support them. If you're, if you're willing not to end this life, we want them. And sadly, guys, we've been the ones that have pushed people in abortion for too long. We need to be the kind of people that when someone shows up to our church and they are struggling and they are in need and they need us to stand in the gap that we will. There was a young woman in one of my churches that came to me. She was a single mom already. She called me one Sunday after church. I could hear it in her voice. It was trembling. She said, I need, I need to come talk to you. Can, can Heather be there? And I said, Sure. So she came over to our house and tears were streaming down her face. And she said, look, I'm just going to be honest. I messed up. I got drunk at a party, went home with a guy, and I'm pregnant. I don't know what to do. And Heather and I said, we love you. And we're going to be with you. And we're going to support you. Yeah, but what about the church? I don't care what the church says, we're going to do this. And here's what we did. We found the resources that she needed. We stayed with her the entire pregnancy. We were there. We threw her a baby shower at the church. And I had people come to me, how dare you throw her a baby shower? You're condoning sin. No, I'm not condoning sin. I am condoning and championing the fact that she is delivering a child. And we love that family. And we stood by that family. I made it public. I made it public in church where I stood on it because I wanted people to know. Because I wanted them to tell other people that when you don't know where to go, go to the church. When you don't know what to do, go to the church. When you don't feel like you have anybody that will stand with you, go to the church. I wanted everybody to know that when they were caught in sin, the place they needed to be was at the church. And I want to tell you, that little boy is now about eight years old. 10 years old, I think, and healthy, happy, thriving. Mom's doing well. They're involved in church. He's growing up hearing about Jesus. And I know this, that God has a plan for that little boy. And I'm thankful that I was able to be in her life at a moment when she needed me the most and when the church needed her the most. And we were there. Listen, guys, we're never gonna end abortion with slogans. We're never going to end abortion with posters. We're never going to end uh, abortion with protests. You know how we end abortion? We step into people's lives and say, nobody else will support you. We will. Nobody else loves you. We will. Nobody else will walk with you. We will. We will love your child. We will babysit your child. We will be here for you a hundred percent. Here's the deal. God is pro-life and so am I. And I hope you've heard something today that maybe has moved you in that direction. I hope what you've heard today is not a slogan, it's not a campaign promise, it's not political. It's this, that there is a God who loves you, who has specially and uniquely created you, who wants you, and who has a plan for your life. Maybe your life has been absolutely out of control. Maybe you've done everything wrong and you wonder if there's anybody who loves you. He does.
And I can say this without pause. If you're here today and abortion has impacted your life, here's what you need to hear. God loves you. And God will forgive you with open arms. And God will heal you from all that pain and all that hurt. And he will restore you. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful that you're pro-life. Not just because I'm here and people that I love are here. Because you go far beyond just saying that you're pro-life. You've shown it. And Father, when, when our lives were on the line, when, when we had allowed all these things that have brought death into our life, you showed us how far you were willing to go because you're pro-life. You gave your life so we may have life. And so God, I, I pray right now that you would help us. You would help us to hold on to that truth that you love us and you want us and you have a plan for our life, but we'd also hold on to that truth that you're asking us to go. To go in love and share love. So God, I, I pray right now that you would help us to respond to you. God, we thank you. And it's in Jesus' holy and precious name that we pray. Amen. I'm a college student, and it's, it's nice when you have those free resources. And they were able to get us in the next day. When we walked in there, um, my boyfriend and I, I was a wreck. It was very emotional. They first talked us through all of the options, you know. The way the information was just provided for you just made you not feel judged in whatever decision you were going to make. They did inform us that we were pregnant and I became even more of a mess because I had no idea what I wanted to do. I remember one of the pamphlets were for the father, you know, what he can do to help support the mother in this choice, uh, whatever she wants to do. I feel like that was, that was a big thing for us because he wanted to support whatever decision I wanted to make. and. It took a lot of discussion between me and my boyfriend to decide to keep, you know, our baby. A decision that I'm, I'm very glad we made. I wasn't pushy on the decision with her. I just, I just wanted her to be as knowledgeable as possible with it. I have to say that my boyfriend was the biggest impact because he made me realize that I'm, I wouldn't be doing any of it alone that he would always be there to support not just me, but the baby that we were gonna have together. Honestly, without the Resource Center, I don't think we would have had full knowledge of the information at all. The, the parenting classes were, they've just been phenomenal because even from taking care of the child to what she has to do as a pregnancy, how much the baby's gonna need care-wise, it, it helped me step up getting the booklets and the, the first ultrasound and everything really made it real. From breastfeeding classes to my own care classes during the pregnancy and just those resources provided just are giving us a really great first step in becoming good parents. If you don't prepare, 
you prepare to fail. And like we're preparing to be successful. We have tools and, and knowledge given to us. It's just been mm-hmm. a blessing beyond belief because it's like we were, we were drowning and then we had this paddle to pull us out. And that's how mm-hmm. it really feels. Thank you so much for having us here today. As Pastor Kirby said, my name is Jessica. I'm representing the Pregnancy Resource Center. The video you just saw was clients that we had um, last year and came to us in a crisis pregnancy situation. And um, it's just a good illustration of what we were able to do to help them um, and provide resources for them. And of course, we don't take any of the credit or the glory for that because this is God's ministry. We give all the glory to God. So that shows just how um, God was able to use us to um, minister to them and get them in the right place. Um, For those of you who don't know, the Pregnancy Resource Center is a nonprofit organization here in Clovis and Portales, donor-supported and um, volunteer-dependent. We love our volunteers. Um, Pastor Kirby talked a lot about doing things with grace, and that is really our goal in our ministry, is to provide all of our resources and to do it with grace, with mercy, with kindness, without judging, um, without trying to be coercive or manipulative in any way. Um, We certainly don't want to be condemning because that's not who Jesus is, right? Some of the services that we're able to offer are pregnancy tests, ultrasounds. Um, We do options counseling, limited STD and STI testing. We do peer counseling and educational classes. Within our educational classes, we're able to, um, well, the clients can come in, take the classes, and then earn points for uh, resources that they may need, like diapers, wipes, anything like that. We basically can get them anything that they they need, and they can earn those. Um, we do community referrals, abortion recovery services, and miscarriage and infant loss support. Um, I wanted to share um, just a few of our statistics from 2021. We were able to have tw- about 1,200 client appointments, and within that, we did 158 pregnancy tests, 146 ultrasounds, and 533 parenting classes. In addition to that, we gave away almost 1,800 items through our baby boutique. Um, I want to take just a few minutes of your time to talk about some really a f- couple of focuses that we have for our ministry this year. One of them is our fatherhood ministry. We realize that a lot of times the dad is overlooked, even completely ignored whenever it comes to pregnancy decisions. Um, And we want the family restored the way that God wants it restored. That includes the dad. (laughs) So we we do not want to ignore the dad. Um, So we want to empower fathers to love their children. We want to provide useful tools for becoming good or better dads. We use a biblically-based curriculum to show them who God is as our Father and have God be their example of a good dad. And we want to help them step into their God-given roles to give their family a greater chance of having an abundant life. Um, Some of the steps that we've taken right away, uh, we are sending a couple of our board members and volunteers to a pro-life men's conference. It's the first one that they've had with the CareNet affiliation. And uh, we're sending guys there, so we're super excited about that. Um, Another focus of our ministry this year is church involvement. So that's where you come in, right? And you guys are awesome. This church has supported us in so many ways, and not just financially, but volunteering and even joining us in prayer. And we appreciate that so, so much. Um, But we just know that when a client comes in and they're in crisis mode, we do absolutely everything that we can for them. We 
help them with any resource that we possibly can, but we know that we get to the point where we can't help them anymore. And then we need the church, and they need the church. They need to be discipled by the church and by a church family and have that, that home, you know, so that um, they can have that abundant life. So, how do you get involved? Um, I'm glad you asked. We have our, um, of course, we have volunteers. We have client advocates. And if you don't feel like you can do that, we, it's some extensive training and put in so many hours a week that you come into the clinic and the centers and, um, and, and do the volunteers. But if you don't feel like you could do that, there are so many other ways. We have our baby boutique organization. Uh, we have different events going on. We have our fun run coming up in March. And if you just want to pass out water to the runners, that would be amazing. Um, we have our banquet every year, so all of that, you know, the tables have to be decorated, and if that's your strength, come see me, because it's not my strength. <laughs> so, um, lots of different ways that you can get involved. We do have a table set up at the back. One of the things we're doing right now is the baby bottle campaign. You guys are kicking that off for us today, and that's super simple. All you have to do is take a bottle, fill it with change, and then bring it back to the church. And, um, but we do have a table set up where um, if you want more information, I'll be back there to answer any questions, and you can um, grab information on your way out. And thank you again for having me. <laughs>